Hi, this is Jim Brangenberg, the host of the I Work For Him radio show. Thanks for listening to the I Work For Him podcast, where we discuss our workplace as our mission field. The live version of our show can be heard each weekday afternoon at 3 p.m. Eastern on AM 570 and 910 WTBN, locally in the Tampa Bay area, and worldwide on the web at letstalkfaith.com or iHeartRadio. Our website, iWorkForHim.com, has great resources on how you can learn about how your workplace can be your mission field. And also check out the sponsors that bring you the radio show each and every day. And while you're there on I Work For Him, click on the I Work For Him Nation flag and prayerfully consider joining the I Work For Him Nation. Join thousands around the globe praying for their coworkers and employees by name each and every day. That's IWorkForHim.com. I Work, the number four, Him.com. Remember, your workplace is your mission field, and in that mission field, you may be the only Jesus your coworkers and employees may ever meet. Thanks again for listening. I hope this broadcast will make an impact on your life so that you'll never look at your workplace the same again. Let's get to today's show. You've tuned into the fastest one hour in Christian talk radio. You tune in just because I talk fast. No, because we have incredible topics that as we get having conversations, get to having conversations, it just moves so quickly. I mean, an hour is just not enough time. And we would love to find a business benefactor, a, a foundation benefactor, somebody to say, Jim, we'd like to get you two hours a day and get you nationwide. That's where I work for him is going in 2017. So as we prepare for Christmas season, you want to talk about the Christmas gift I would love? I would love the ability to spread the message of I work for him from sea to shining sea. That's what we love to do. We're having a conversation today about being remarkable. And I brought back a guest I had on a couple of months ago because that's what he does all day long, create remarkable. And as I introduce Randy Ross, I just I want you to know this is a guy that this is what he does every day, but it's his heart and his passion, and he loves Christ, and, and he wants to bring not only help organizations be remarkable organizations, and remarkable in today's world, the definition of remarkable is different than what we grew up with, but it's, you make, I mean, it's notable. It's that this organization stands out because they're so above average. In fact, they're remarkable. Randy Ross, welcome back to I Work For Him. Well, thanks, Jim. It's good to be back with you. You know, we had such a fun time talking the last time. I wanted to bring you back and, and actually talk about how do we create remarkable organizations. And then I wanted you to bring on somebody that would actually attest to your ability to create remarkable. And I know we're going to be inviting Scott McClellan a little bit later into the show. But let me just ask you this question, Randy. As I've been asking this question of my guests, talk to me about how the Lord surprised you in 2016. Well, God never ceases to surprise me. He's always got great things in store around the corner, things that we don't expect and anticipate, but he always has a way of blessing us beyond our wildest imagination. I think this last year for me has been a reminder uh, of the power of connectivity, how God uses people to accomplish his purpose. And when we are open and obedient, he connects you with the right people at the right time in the right environment to accomplish incredible things for him. And I'm just grateful for relationships uh, with friends, with family members, with clients that have um, what we call value centricity. Our hearts are similarly aligned. We may not always think alike, 
because we sharpen each other in our thinking, but we're, we're like-hearted. And when you get together with people who are like-hearted and share their values, then great things can happen. And God just has friends around the globe that he connects uh, serendipitously, we could say, to accomplish great things. You know, I, I think about if all the people that love the Internet more than anybody else, the Lord who created the Internet, not Al Gore, he loves the Internet because he has the power to connect us with people, really, and the ability. I mean, the world is now 95% wireless. The Lord loves the fact that he can connect Christ followers here to the other side of the globe in an instant. Because he, it seems like the gospel is exploding more efficiently today than ever before because of the efficiency, the neatness of the Internet. I, I, I don't know. That's just my opinion. Don't call me and talk to me about theology. The phone lines are not open for that. <laughs> well, I think the Internet's a great thing, but, you know, I'm, I'm just as sensitive when I go someplace for coffee or I'm having lunch. Just being open and listening to God speak and being willing to engage in conversations with people around me when I feel the prompting of the Spirit to do so. And I've just been amazed this last year of the individuals I've been able to connect with on purpose. Randy, as we... You t- we talked about the power of connectivity right before the break, and I just want to share a, stories, a story with my listeners today. Yesterday, I sat in a room, and we were, I was meeting new people. I was in Orlando, so 140-mile, 120-mile trip, and we I met a couple from Brazil. And I happened to mention, I said, hey, the guy that mentored me in high school, he spent 25 years on the mission field in Rio and Sao, Sao Paulo, Sao Paulo, I can't ever say it right. And I just happened to mention to him, Martha, my wife, texts our missionary friends and said, and this guy, this kid sitting next to me, his father is now the mayor of Rio de Janeiro, Brazil. And I text my Martha Facebook messaged my missionary connection. And he says, oh, our kids went to school with that boy. So I'm sitting in a room the kids from Rio de Janeiro, Brazil, where there's 15 plus million people in that city, and he went to school with my missionary, the guy, the only guy in my life that's ever mentored me. There, you talk about a small world. You talk about the power of connectivity. No way that's by chance. There's that's zero right. probability of that. And that we both share friends that are from Minnesota, and I'm in Florida, and he's from Rio de Janeiro. It's unbelievable. That's the power of connectivity. Brought to you by the Holy Spirit. All right, so we're talking today about creating remarkable organizations, and I just had to share that Holy Spirit moment. But you brought on to join our conversation Scott McClellan. Why don't you introduce Scott to our show today? Well, it's a pleasure to do that, Jim, um, because Scott, you're talking about how uh, remarkable may have impacted Scott, but I've got to tell you that Scott has impacted me. When you talk about looking for servant leaders in the marketplace, uh, as Jim Collins would call them, level five leaders, uh, individuals who, who truly demonstrate humility and a desire to serve others, Scott is the epitome of that. And Scott is the, the CEO of uh, two organizations. One is called Touchpoint. The other is called Morrison Senior Living. Both who fall under the uh, large corporate umbrella of the Compass Group. But Scott and I have uh, become friends, and, and uh, his groups are clients of ours. And I have been encouraged um, in my friendship with Scott, and so I'm glad to be able to bring him on the program today. Scott, welcome to I Work For Him. Thank you. Yeah, glad we're, to be here. We're just so grateful to have you on. And, you know, I always ask all the guests just to share how Christ has made an impact, how, 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 the, how your faith is 
impacting you? And I asked Randy the question before, and I think you heard it. I asked him, I said, how did God surprise you in 2016? You can answer one of two questions because I don't know you very well yet. How did God surprise you in 2016? Or how did God? How has God gotten involved in the intimate details of your life recently? Yeah, so I'd actually uh, take a step back to about 2001 um, when God really started speaking into my life and letting me know that he needed to um, that I needed to take him deeper into the rest of my life, that it wasn't about just an hour or two a week, that it was about every day, all day. And he gave me some not-so-gentle nudging, and uh, the Holy Spirit really spoke into me about that. And I've been on an odyssey really ever since, um, trying to understand just what it means to be faithful in the workplace. And I, I just feel like I'm surprised every day. Um, you, you were talking about connections earlier, the, the connections that happen in the business, um, and Randy was one of those connections. Um, it, it never ceases to amaze me how he pulls events together um, and how he uh, delivers events into your hands and just expects you to be faithful and obedient. And, and if you are, then just amazing things happen. We got Randy Ross in the, on this line today. <laughs> I'd love for him to be in the studio, but he's not in the studio. We got Scott McClellan also joining us. These guys are remarkable in what they're doing. But today we're going to talk about can we actually bring about remarkableness in our workplace even if we're not the owner? You know, you gentlemen are the owners of your business. You guys have the ability to influence from the top down. But is it possible, gentlemen, Scott, I'll ask you first, is it possible to bring about remarkableness if you're not at the top? Oh, I, I absolutely believe so. I, I think that's the way we actually grow to the top is by being remarkable along the way. Um, we're obviously called to be remarkable, but um, I'll tell you that I think you can do that at any point in the organization. We have thousands of associates in our business, um, and and I'm constantly humbled and amazed when I go out. We're, we're in the support service business, so we do food and facilities. So I'll, I'll go out and meet with housekeepers who are some of the most passionate, uh, God-inspired people you'd ever meet. Um, and, and I walk in the room, I'm the CEO, I'm supposed to lead down, but the reality is they're leading up. Uh, I walk out of those encounters um, wanting to be better and, and inspired and encouraged to be better by, by how remarkable they are. Randy, how often do you hear words like that from a CEO that, you know, it's the remarkableness that helps people grow to the top, that they're learning and they're being impacted from their people? How often do you hear that from CEOs and owners of businesses? Well, from your good leaders, you should hear it all the time, and, and Scott obviously falls on that category because I think the idea of being humble and willing to learn from others is a part of the whole growth process, and it's about, it is about being able to sharpen others to become remarkable. And to your question about can it start, you know, if you're not at the top of the, 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 the um, corporate structure, remarkable begins within each one of us as we make the choice to be remarkable every single day because we've got the opportunity with every day to either choose to be mediocre or choose to be remarkable. And I think before we ever begin to think about uh, changing enterprises, changing companies, changing even teams to be better, we have to first let God do within us what he wants to do within us to help us become remarkable. Oh, I mean, it, that was powerful, and it's so true because I'd like to think that 
first of all, I, I know I've seen it because I've had employees before. I don't have, I have just one right now, but I don't have, I've had dozens in the past and I have seen many people. It doesn't take Christ for somebody inside somebody for them to be a remarkable employee. It doesn't because I've had remarkable employees that don't want to have anything to do with Jesus. But as Christ followers, one of the things we talk about on the air all the time, gentlemen, is that we call people to join the I work for him nation to do to start praying for the people they work alongside, to serve the people they work alongside, to befriend them so they get an opportunity to be Jesus to somebody, to pray with them when they get an opportunity, but all along being people of excellence so that what they're doing is remarkable. And, and, and because I think that, you know, it's not all employees are not, you don't have to be a Christ follower to be remarkable, but all Christ followers, in my humble opinion, should be remarkable employees. They should be the best, the brightest in their position. Do you agree with that or not? Oh, absolutely. Because I think that first we have to realize that our work is a part of our worship. I mean, God has given us not only the incredible talents and opportunities that he's provided for us, but he's also given us the very breath that we breathe. And so uh, a big part of each of our lives is how we make a living. But it's not about what we get that makes a living. It's about what we can give to make a life. And that's, that life is a life of worship unto him. And, and frankly, Jim, this is why I love doing what, what we do. Because if the research is correct, we know from the Gallup organization that 70% of the American workforce, they literally hate their jobs. And to me, that's heartbreaking when engagement levels are so low, because what we want to do in the best way we can is to encourage, equip, and inspire people to fulfill their God-given giftedness so that they can find fulfillment in their work personally, but also be able to work as an expression of worship to bring the very best of who they are to the picture, because we always, at all times, ought to work as unto the Lord. Uh, All right. I agree with you, and I didn't realize the number was 70% of people hate their jobs. But, you know, Scott, let me just ask for your perspective. You've probably got more employees than Randy has right now. How many employees do you have in—you've got Touchpoint, Support Services, and Morrison Senior Living. How many total employees? Uh, 20,000. Tw- give or take 10 or so. Okay, all right. 20. So you got a lot of employees. Yeah. Do you—this is—I'm I'm putting you on the spot. Yeah, if you don't want to answer the question, too bad you should have been in somebody else's show. Are all your Christian employees the best employees? Um, not necessarily, no. <laughs> I love the way. <laughs> I knew the answer to that question. And, 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 and that's exactly my point. But how are you encouraging those Christ-following employees to be the best in their position so they can be a light in your workplace? How do you influence them to let them know that what they do is significant, whether they are you know, you're, you're talking about Morrison Senior Living. Let's just say they're cleaning bedpans all the way up to people that are running your uh, local community. Whatever you guys do, I sorry, I should have looked it up on the internet. I apologize. Well, I mean, how do you tell those employer, those employees that are Christ followers? Listen, you should be my best and my brightest. Yeah. So I, I come at that from two different perspectives. The first is if somebody says to me what or asks me the question, "What does it mean to be faithful in the workplace?" You know, that that could be a six-hour conversation, but if you want to get somebody right off the bat, I tell them it's two things. Number one, it's being a good steward, uh, being a faithful steward of what God has entrusted to us. And we've been given our company for a time, we've been given our people for a time, our customers for a time, and our job is to leave them better than we found them and leave the business better than we found it. 
Um, and the second thing is to be excellent. And when I use the word excellent, that could sound like a cliche and very easy to roll past that. But the point I make is if we have access to the creator of the universe, and we do, if we have access to that wisdom, that energy, that innovation, we ought to be the best employees that any company could possibly have. And I, I think then that leads into the second piece, which is having that sense of purpose. In my opinion, that is the sense of purpose. But if that's not your sense of purpose, have a sense of purpose, something that drives you, not just to get up in the morning, but to be excellent, to be the best at what it is that we do. Randy, you deal with organizations all over the country. And are all your organizations as big as Scott's? No, not at all, Jim. We we work with organizations from small, local, mom-and-pop shops to, to multinational companies, and so we sort of span the spectrum. So, okay, what Scott just said there, I mean, he's talking about helping people understand how to connect. So when you are working, when you are trying to help an, a business leader, business owner create Remarkable within their organization to really set them apart in the whatever their marketplace, part of the marketplace may be, how do you, most of the time, are you, I, I know sometimes you're not dealing with Christ-following business owners, and sometimes you are. When you know you're dealing with a Christ-following business owner, how do you encourage them to send that message through the ranks that Scott just talked about, that, hey, my Christ-centered employees, my Christ-following employees should be my best, my brightest, the people of excellence, good stewards, that they've got a sense of purpose and they understand that no matter no matter what they do, they can make an impact. How do you help that CEO business owner understand that? Well, I think that the conversation um, revolves around two things, and, and this would be something that that every leader would understand how impactful it is in terms of getting remarkable results. There are two things that you have to focus on. One, you have to focus on hiring remarkable people, because to be remarkable, you need to associate with remarkable people, because iron sharpens iron. The second thing is you have to craft a remarkable culture. You have to have this ongoing conversation about what type of environment do we want to create for our people that will inspire them to bring their very best to the table every day. But not only do you have to have those conversations and to embrace um, the principles that we espouse, but you, first and foremost, you have to embody it. You can't just believe it. You have to live it out on a daily basis. And so, you know, to, to produce change around you, but first you have to produce change within you. And so for leaders at all levels of the organization, the first and most important thing that they have to do is to embody the principles of servant leadership, putting other people first, because there has to be a purpose for leadership that goes beyond self-promotion. And when leaders begin to understand that and they begin to live that principle out, it truly can transform the organization. When you, you know, Scott, I guess give give some perspective. You met Randy how many years ago? Oh, I'd say five. Randy, does that sound about right? That's about right. But it sounds, Scott, like you already have a fairly level head on your shoulders. You have a fairly under, great understanding of the fact that no, you're not a pastor, but you really are a pastor of a very large church. A very, you've got a very large ministry. Touchpoint Support Services and Morrison Senior Living, just like Randy's got a very large ministry called Create Remarkable. How, when you go to work, when you look at five years ago to today, how did Randy's organization help you become even more remarkable? 
Yeah, and he and he has. He's been a big piece of our development. Um, I'm very fortunate in that I have a great team, very hardworking, compassionate, values-oriented, mission-driven folks. So we did already have a great culture. But when Randy came into our business, at least one of them, we were very much in startup mode. And we had basically gone from no business to thousands of associates and hundreds of clients spread across about 40 different states. And our business is a 24-7, 365 business. We literally never shut down. And uh, as a result of that, people were just tired. They were burned out. Um, they were focused only on the most immediate priorities. And when that happens, you, your focus on people, the, the nurturing of the culture can sometimes break down. And we had developed hot spots. And we first brought Randy in to help us in those locations that were struggling, struggling culturally. That worked so well. Um, other people called him in um, to their businesses. And then ultimately, Randy came to present at our national meeting two years running, where he was the most popular speaker um, both years. He's done extensive workshops at both the national and the regional level. And we're actually now down to the point where we, we meet with every new manager who comes into our business. And we're very careful at making that, that first introduction to our company. And we think so much of Randy that he literally comes to every new more manager orientation um, and speaks there. So as you can kind of get a sense, he is integrated into every part of our business. And when people see that that's the kind of person you bring in and that's the kind of values they espouse, that builds your culture. Um, that, that helps create the positive environment where people can then thrive and it becomes a, a virtuous circle from there. We've got Dr. Randy Ross on the line along with Scott McClellan. These guys run remarkable organizations, create remarkable organizations. Scott, you got 20,000 plus employees, give or take five or 10,000. Randy, you help organizations be remarkable to create remarkable cultures. What are, most, what are some of the most common roadblocks to creating a remarkable workplace? Well, I think probably the first and, and probably biggest obstacle is just simply the, the pace and the demands of growing a business. Um, there is so much that has to be covered, so much that has to be done to move an organization forward that I think oftentimes what happens is if you don't have an ongoing conversation about creating the right kind of culture, then you wind up with a culture by default rather than having a culture by design. And I think that's probably the biggest obstacle is to not understand that culture is the biggest and most important differentiating factor that any organization has. And so to have that ongoing conversation is absolutely critical. And what I've discovered, Jim, is that people will grow into the conversations that you create around them. And so to have the right kind of culture, you have to be intentional about pursuing that conversation on an ongoing basis. All right, so Scott, in your organization, let's let's take this real personal because this is what Randy does every day with organizations across the country. In your organization, in making your the Touchpoint Support Services, Morrison Senior Living, what are one of the most the biggest obstacles you face to creating remarkable culture? List about your top three obstacles. Yeah, so I think um, I, I would I would start with just you know what's been referred to as the tyranny of the urgent. Um, you tend to look. It's a at great only, book, by the way. Yeah, a great yeah, book. Exactly. You you look right in front of you with the most immediate fire, and you get completely distracted 
on on that problem of the day, and and you begin to very quickly lose sight of the bigger picture. Um, and, and I think on a on a very related note, then your culture starts to degrade. And I think cultures take a long time to build, but they degrade pretty quickly. And left unattended, um, a culture will degrade to the status quo um, and and the most you know simple way to to do things possible probably in about a year's period of time. Um, and it, it will take, you know, five to ten years to rebuild it from there. And so on a related note, I think what companies often don't do is they, they number one, they don't set the vision, they don't know who they are. And then if they do know who they are, they don't do a very good job of reminding people of that every day. And when, when people are getting, you know, constantly dragged into fires and you're not there reminding them the reason why we exist as a company and then what we're trying to do and how we're trying to get there, um, they'll forget that, not because they want to, but just because they're, they're being pulled into to this or that problem. We have a lot of people listening today that don't have the privilege of being in either one of your positions. They're in the middle of organizations. They're at the bottom of organizations. They're not the they're not the one casting vision. They're not the ones creating culture. They're not the ones that, that you know, they're not managing people. They're at they may be in a spot where they they think they have zero influence, although they have a lot of influence, a lot more than what people think. How can we encourage these people to to be your best? I, I, I guess what I'm saying, they should be your best assets. These people in the in the middle of the organization, and people just want to know. Tell me what I can do to create remarkable, uh, to be remarkable, to to be part of a remarkable organization. Tell me how I can help overcome these obstacles. Tyranny of the urgent is what people, you know, putting out fires and dealing with the urgency instead of priorities is something everybody struggles with because email tends to be, you know, the rabbit, you know, the, the bouncing ball in front of us that gets our attention. But how do you encourage your people, Scott, in your organization to not be driven by tyranny of the urgent, to not be driven and allow the culture to degrade? How do you encourage them to be remarkable where they're at? Well, it starts very much with, again, that sense of purpose. What is our purpose as a company, and what is the purpose that drives you as an individual? And if you have a purpose that's larger than yourself, uh, you're going to strive to be excellent to achieve that purpose. And that may sound like a cliche, but I, I absolutely believe that's at the heart of all of it. And we actually are about to relaunch some things in our organization, and our theme is Live Your Purpose. We want to create an environment where people can live what they feel that they were designed to do. And we need to give them the respect and the dignity and the trust to go out and do that. And so I think it, it starts there. And the second, I would say, is just to help them to believe in their heart, because it's true, that they actually do set culture. Uh, my job is to make sure that people have an understanding of generally where we want to go. But if I'm the only one driving culture, then we're going to fail. And it's really the people who are out on the front lines making the business happen each and every day that are actually creating the culture. And I think if you have that belief that you make a difference, um, I, I think you strive to be remarkable. So, Randy, when you have big organizations, small organizations, I, I agree with what Scott just said about people need to understand, they need to live their purpose, uh, that they can uh, create and, and encourage culture. But what tools do you give owners of organizations, leaders of organizations 
Randy, what tools do you give them to help those people find the people within their organization? Scott's 20,000 people to find their purpose, to find who God created them to be and what he created them to be doing. How, what kind of tools do you give them? Well, we have a, a whole host of tools that can help organizations from the book itself to what we call the Roadmap to Remarkable, some online programs and some workshops to help move people in that direction. But to simplify it and to piggyback off of what Scott has said, I think two things practically that you can encourage your people to do, and that's first, to make every single encounter personal. Scott's organization, Touchpoint Support Services, uh, is driven by this tagline, compassion at every point of human contact. And I think that, that says it all. To make every single encounter, to realize that every single encounter is either going to leave a positive or a negative wake. And so to make that as personal as you possibly can. And, and the second thing is today, seek to do for one person what you wish you could do for everyone And you can change the world for someone. Because I think sometimes we think about changing the world as being such an ominous task that there's no way that we can do that. But the reality is if you do for someone today what you wish you could do for everyone, you may not be able to do that for everyone, but you can do it for one person today. It'll change the world in that moment for that person. And I've heard that before, and I love that. Because it is overwhelming when you think, let's just say we're talking to people that they have the opportunity, they're, they're a nurse or an organization, they're a teacher in an organization, they, and they're frustrated with this. They're, maybe they're, they work in our government. Good grief, could it be anything more frustrating than working within our government organization? And they're like, I can't make an impact. I, I, I have such bureaucracy above me, there's no chance I can make an impact. But what you just said, make every encounter personal. I've met government workers that do just that, that are so outstanding at what they do, They know they can't make an impact maybe up the ladder too much, but they can make an impact. And what you said, Scott, earlier, they're going to grow to the top. I I love that. That's right. Okay, so we're talking about it's businesses. We're about making a profit. We're about providing great services. But there's other organizations out there that really could use some remarkable help to be remarkable. Church organizations neighborhoods. But let's talk about churches. Is it possible to create remarkable churches where it, well, I'll just ask that question without me putting any caveat on it. Is it possible to create remarkable church organizations? Well, I certainly hope so, because that's really where it ought to all begin. Um, The most compelling environment known to man this side of heaven should be the Church of Jesus Christ, because it is his bride. And so we ought to, in all we do, reflect the likeness of Christ and create an environment that does not only compel people to connect with their Creator personally, but then to reflect His likeness to a lost world. Now, the reality is there are a lot of churches, just like there are a lot of organizations, that this struggle in being able to find that sort of vivid expression of Christ's love, but of all places where it should be most profoundly felt, should be in the Church of Jesus Christ. Well, and but we expect pastors, you know, a, a typical CEO is visionary, and they, I mean, they've got lots of great ideas, but they understand they got to surround themselves with people that actually like to execute details. Pastors, they're, they're, they're teachers, they're evangelists, they're disciplers, they're preachers, but they're not typically the details. They're not the COO, typically, personality of an organization. They're not, they may be a visionary, but they're not going to be the execution people. So 
it, but yet we set pastors up to fail so often in these small churches, typically, because bigger churches can afford to have more people to be able to help them with things. But in these small churches, 250, 300 people, where they don't get to have extra help, how can those pastors create remarkable organizations when a lot of those skills are not the skills that they've been given? Well, I can probably speak to that because I spent the first good portion of my career ministering in church life and had the privilege of pastoring several churches. And, and I can tell you that sometimes it's challenging because as pastors are trained for the ministry, there's not that business side that, that they're exposed to. But it's really not about the business. Being remarkable is about understanding who God made you to be. And the theological foundation, obviously, every pastor understands that. It's just a matter of, through their example and through their teaching, being able to bring people back to an understanding that that God has given us incredible abilities, and He's also given us our passion. And to Scott's point, there's a purpose uh, for which He's created every single one of us. And so when we discover our purpose as individuals using our spiritual gifts and the way he's naturally wired us to literally create value in the world by solving problems and investing in others. That's where we find a sense of fulfillment, satisfaction, and joy as we give of ourselves to to move beyond ourselves to meet the needs of others. And that, that can happen in the business place. That can happen in the church. That can happen in philanthropic organizations. It can happen in our homes as well because the culture, no matter where people gather, you're going to have a culture, and you've got to be cognizant of the kind of culture that you're creating. Well, and really, you know, churches are all a subculture of the greater body of Christ. And Jesus, there's there's no greater CEO, no greater visionary, no greater execution of creating a culture that impacted the world. No other leader has done it except for Christ in the kind of way that he did it. How how did Jesus create remarkable? How did he do it? And you got 30 seconds to answer. <laughs> Just kidding. You I'll give you a whole minute. So... In, in 30 seconds, is really simple. He made it personal. Every single person he encountered, he shared with them the likeness of God through his life. He was the hands and the feet that ministered to them and brought them that much closer to his Heavenly Father. Scott, what about you? What do you want to add to that? I think he also found people who were... Um, who surrounded him, to your point, who had different skill sets. Um, he, he brought people in who could also minister at a personal level um, that, that surrounded him in a way that, that maybe reached the entire audience um, in a way that they could understand it. I know you've talked about disc profile, for example. It, people communicate differently. They receive differently. And I think he, he set up that organization to do just that. And when you you both have said this, and it just bears repeating, one of the most powerful things we can do is to make every encounter personal. Because Jesus did that. People that met Jesus, they were never the same again. Whether they decided to follow him or decided to run the other direction like the rich young ruler, their lives were never the same again. And that's the way we should leave every person we have an encounter with. Dr. Randy Ross, Scott McClellan, it's been a great conversation. I want to ask one, well, maybe one or two final questions. When some, when a person is remarkable, what do they look like? What do they feel like? Scott, you start us off. 
So typically when I see that, um, it's somebody who is bringing their entire self to work. Um, and for some people, that may be a, a quiet contribution. For others, that might be a very bold contribution. But they're bringing them, their full selves, they're bringing their, their full contribution to bear. And, and they're not ashamed to do that. They're not afraid to do that. They just put it right out there on the table. Now, not all of that will be perfect. That will involve risk. That will involve failure. Um, but, but they're people who are, are constantly bringing themselves to the business and, as Randy would phrase it, and in the process leaving a positive wake um, in a way that uh, contributes to the individual and contributes to the business. A wake. I love that. A positive wake. It's a, a small tidal wave that impacts all those around them. All right, so Dr. Randy Ross, your organization, Create Remarkable, when an organization becomes remarkable, what does it look like? What does it feel like? Well, first of all, it, it, I think it makes you feel like you're at home. When you walk into remarkable organizations, you realize that they're about something more than just making a dollar. They're about making a difference in people's lives. And you can sense the, the priority and the emphasis on not only taking care of their customers and clients externally, but taking care of their people internally as well. And so it feels like a, a fully functioning family, but I also think it's an environment in which movements of good can be spawned instantaneously. In other words, because everybody's on the same page, committed to the same values, they want to do good, they want to leave a legacy in a positive wake in the world, that it doesn't take much to uh, serve as a catalyst to, to spawn movements of good that can do uh, really <laughs> remarkable things for other people. In other words, things that will leave an indelible impression upon the lives of others. I love that word, indelible. So Scott used the word wake, you used the word indelible. And indelible, again, for today's generation, not everybody understands that indelible markers is what they used to call them. Now we call them permanent markers. But in, So you're leaving an impact on somebody that's permanent. It, it can't be washed away. It, it, that's what you mean, right? I just want to make sure. Yeah, it's, a, it's a mark on someone's life that's not easily erased. Not easily erased. Leaves a lasting impression. I love that. I love that. I mean, it... What you guys are talking about, I'm so thrilled that you were willing to share this today, because what you guys are talking about is something that every Christ follower just needs to grasp, that no matter where we are, we can make an impact to our organizations. And so I want to thank you guys for encouraging everybody listening today. Scott McClellan, CEO of Touchpoint Support Services and Morrison Senior Living, thanks so much for being on iWork for him today, Scott, for joining us in this conversation. It was great to have you on. Thank you, Jim. My pleasure. And Dr. Randy Ross, once again, in a great conversation. It goes too fast, but I'm so grateful for your organization and the fact that you are helping people seek excellence in what they're doing as they run their organizations, as they try to infuse remarkableness from one from the top to the bottom. Dr. Randy Ross, thank you again for being an eye work for him. Always great to be with you, Jim. Thanks so much. I appreciate you. As, as we come to the end of, I, of the I Work For Him radio program, a challenge out to you. I want to challenge you to go out to iWorkForHim.com and click on the I Work For Him nation flag that pops up. I'd like you to consider joining the nation. This is a big commitment because it starts with praying for your coworkers and employees by name. As a Christ follower, you've got power in you that nobody else has. The Holy Spirit living in you. And when you start to pray for those people that you work alongside, it will transform who you are. 
and taking that to the next level, looking for ways to serve those people that you work alongside, then looking for ways to befriend them outside of the workplace. When you've got a little extra time, get to know the people that you work with, because in doing these things, you will gain an opportunity to share what Jesus has done in your life. You'll gain an opportunity to pray with them when they're having a rough day. But all along, Christ followers, people who join the I Work For Him Nation, these are people of excellence. They're remarkable people, people that understand that because of what Jesus has done inside of them, they want to be the most awesomeness employee. I just made that word up. The most awesomeness employee in an organization. You should be remarkable because of what Jesus has done in your life. You're listening to I Work For Him with your host, Jim Brangenberg. I'm a Christ follower. My workplace, it's my mission field. And I work for him.